0: steven hello, Stephen. Good to talk to you again. Good to be back. We missed last week. We just got busy, but uh, but we're back. Yeah. Sometimes, real the real world uh, interferes with our podcast world. How dare it! I know. I mean, the 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 money that we make doing this podcast. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it,
1: it's hard to believe.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. There's nothing more lucrative than podcasts. If you're oh, not, yeah, Joe, if the... you're not Joe Rogan. <laughs> You're doing yeah, I, it because you like the sound of your own voice.
1: If you're not selling vitamin supplements and lying through your teeth, then you know, yeah, there's no money there's no money to be made in podcasts.
0: no you know, maybe we should talk But about it is cheaper than therapy. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, and uh it's good for us to talk about things. It's good for us to get together because uh both of us busy, it's hard to uh be physically in the same place at the same time. So we, where get we get to yeah, we get to talk about things happening in the news and share our opinions for whatever that's worth, which we're going to do today. We're going to talk about uh, Aaron O'Toole's uh, clutching for for uh, power in the uh, Conservative Party and the steps he's taken. Yeah, more but like for, clutching for a life preserver. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. But first, we're going to talk about the Breaking news story news. that's been dominating the news. And, and now the just a short time ago, the verdict was uh, released in the uh, trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, and he was found not guilty on all charges. Even um,
1: and they and they dropped even before it went to the jury. They dropped the uh, the charge about uh, about the uh, about the uh, uh, you know, illegally obtained AR-15. So you know that even go, didn't even go to the jury. It's, uh, but on his three you know his three counts of murder, which are the most ser- success,
0: uh, uh, serious ones. Uh, you know, not guilty on all counts. Yeah, and, you know, I think that this was a case of politics over reason. Um, I think that because of the background of Rittenhouse, the uh, left rallied to make this a bellwether trial, when in fact I don't think it was. Um, I think looking at the evidence, I'm not even sure why the prosecution brought it to trial, except for possibly political pressure, because The prosecution had a very weak case, um, and the defense had a strong case. Also, people talk about he came over from another state. His mother drove him from another state. He had a gun he shouldn't have. He was too young to have a gun. He didn't belong there walking around, as if that was actually going to be relevant to whether he believed his life was in danger or not. Well, I mean, I, what, if if nothing else, what this
1: trial and the verdict shows me once again is the remarkable difference between Canadian and American culture, because uh, the, you know, putting this to an American jury, um, you know, it went in. The, the jury was sort of anonymized. You know, we weren't even privy to who they were for their own protection and all the rest. But uh, you know, the suspicion is that uh, that that the jury was predominantly white. But uh, but you know, but even when it's white and black, American juries have a hard time not sympathizing with vigilantes, um, with people who insinuate themselves into purposely into dangerous charged uh, situations and bring a gun to it, uh, because juries see themselves more as the person with the gun than the person, um, they don't want to be the person who has, is defending themselves against a rioter. about, you know, this was black, part of the Black Lives Matter protests and the general unrest uh, in, in the United States, and American jurors worry more about civil disorder than they do about killing people. Um, And that, and that is something that defense attorneys in the United States have, have relied on because, you know, you need the juror to the the, the individual jurors to identify with the person who is sitting in the box thinking, you know, that could have been me. That could have been me caught in a riot somewhere or defending property or, and I would rather have the person who is wading into a crowd with a gun um against civil unrest or perceived civil unrest I'd, I'd rather be that person and acquitted than the person who's out there protesting for civil rights and well, getting
0: shot yeah and getting i mean they the they identify with the
1: shooters not with the people who get shot
0: <laughs> well i mean there's the uh you know one of the foundational myths of the united states is the you know the cowboy uh, standing firm. Again, good man with a gun against the marauders. Um, and you're right that uh, they see they saw Rittenhouse as somebody who was standing for order. Uh, I think, though, that had I been a juror based on the amount of trial I saw, I would have voted to acquit him on uh, intentional homicide. Um, I'm not sure how I would have felt about reckless, but intentional. It's very difficult to prove what is in somebody's head. And that was the case that the prosecution had. They had to disprove the notion that Rittenhouse felt that his life was in danger because he was legitimately being uh, assailed by three people. And it, it, that seems to be, you know, depending on which side of the fence you're on, if you're on the left side of the fence, those people get a complete pass for their behavior. Uh, does it, did their behavior warrant being killed? No, but they were in the same hot zone where they had no business being and they were also taking vigilante action and they're they were not saints never mind their actual background at least two of them pretty bad backgrounds uh you don't know that when they're coming towards you so you can't be like well this guy's a child molester i can kill him he didn't know that he didn't know who these people were from adam he just he's he's a 17 year old kid if you listen to him he is so stupid like he really is an unintelligent kid who well, has had his, immature uh, both. And he's had his head filled with right wing crap by his family. So the kid had no hope. He was filled with images of heroism that uh, he wanted. You know, he's a 17 year old kid. He wants to stand out. He wants to be the man. And so, you know, it's excuse the language. It was basically dick swinging. Um and a lot of people on the right like to do that, and the, the, the proxy dick is a gun, and they like to walk around swinging their dick, and that's what he was doing, and he was in over his head. I don't think he expected he would ever have to use that gun. Um, I think that he thought he could just posture and probably didn't believe that he really would be attacked, and when he was, he had no ability to de-escalate. Uh, he had no knowledge. He had no He was just in he just shouldn't have he shouldn't have been there, which is a terrible thing to say, because that's he he shouldn't have been there. Yes. But should he have been attacked by these three people? Well, no. Um, Does he lose the right to defend himself because he shouldn't have been there? Well, no. You know, this is this is the difficulty that this was this case was a loser for the left. And I don't understand the racial implications of it when everybody involved was white. Yeah,
1: well, and yeah, I, I, I am gonna, I'm gonna disagree. If I'd been on the juror uh, jury, I, I would have voted to convict, maybe not of intentional. Uh, but you know, the, and th- this is also, I think, big difference between Canadian and American law and Canadian and American juries. Although we saw, you know, we saw the, the Colin Bushi case in, in Canada, where the the, 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 the shooter uh, was was acquitted for basically the same sorts of reasons. Uh, you know, where he, uh, you know, he he claimed that he felt that he was defending his property. He said, "Well, the gun went off accidentally in in the the Colin uh, Bushi case, um, but you know that he he was walking around with a gun, you know, investigating, you know." Near do wells supposedly on his property, but you know in, in Canada, you know I'd like to think this, you know, except in certain certain high-profile cases, you, you don't get away with this. You know, it may not be, it may not be first-degree murder in Canada, uh, which is intentional and uh, and you know planned and deliberate, but uh, you'd certainly be convicted of uh, second-degree or or manslaughter in a, a Kyle Rittenhouse kind of uh, situation because you go into a situation um you know, you're you're driven to a riot and you bring a gun now if you bring a gun you know why are you bringing the gun you know in the United States it's well it's for self-defense we don't really have that to the same extent as as a blanket uh, forgiveness in Canada as
0: they do in the United States well we Where, don't we don't the Canadians don't mistrust everyone outside their door so no. we don't have that same fear of our neighbors and strangers that they do in the US, there's a lot of people there legitimately feel uh, threatened and unsafe unless they have a gun to defend themselves. And, you know, in Canada, we're thinking, defend yourself from what? What exactly, (laughs)
1: and defend yourself is one thing, but to actually go to a riot, Uh, you know and and again what you said about about parents and him being remarkably immature I think is is right but you know the whole idea that you know 17 year old says hey mom drive me across state lines to a riot and she says sure honey don't forget your gun Um, or you know I I don't think she actually said that but you know but he's in he you know she's, she's driving him to a place and knows that he has a gun because it's not like it's tucked in his pants it's a you know it's a long gun uh you will what right-minded adult does that with her child um and the problem legally is when you go to a riot and you bring a gun with you um you it's really hard to claim self-defense under Canadian-British law because you're putting yourself in danger and you are actually contributing to the danger situation and escalating it by bringing a gun to the thing. Um, especially if you're not you know Canadians don't have a stand your ground law uh, unlike the Americans which you know my home is my castle I don't have to retreat to a safe position if uh, you know if someone is attacking uh, and I don't have to stop uh, what I'm doing uh, offensively you know as soon as the danger is gone I you know I basically am allowed to shoot until someone's dead Canada doesn't have that tradition in our legal system but uh, it's really really hard to say that someone who intentionally puts themselves into a riot brings a gun and ends up murdering two people and injuring another person is saying like well you know you came to a riot what do you expect if you're if you're one of the rioters someone's going to shoot you and it might as well be me uh in canada that is second degree murder and at best manslaughter and the american system is a little strange because in canada you have what are called included offenses which is you know you can charge someone with first degree murder, but the but the jury automatically can find you guilty of a lesser and included offense, which would be second degree murder, manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, all you know, all the various things in the criminal code that are junior versions of the thing that you're charged with in the United States. There was some discussion about whether or not they're even going to put lesser and included lesser offenses to the jury, saying, you know, if you don't want to get him, uh, find them guilty of first degree murder or, or you know, uh, capital murder, you can find them guilty of manslaughter. Um, that doesn't appear to have been an option in Rittenhouse case. And it may have been for the jury who said, you know, we're really uncomfortable first degree murder, um, but, you know, we probably would have found them guilty of something else if it had been, if that was an option to us.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, often cases are lost because the wrong charges are applied. And if other charges had been applied, there would have been a conviction. And I think in this case, had manslaughter been on the table, um, I, I don't know, but I certainly think that there would have been a greater chance for conviction than murder. Uh, I I don't know that with American law what he did qualifies as murder uh, because people are allowed to walk around with guns in the states. It's not it's not like he, here if you walk around with a gun there's something wrong. You know you're 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 troubled or you're looking for trouble. Um, it's we don't have that business of open carry. We don't have that gun culture that love of guns that Americans have. So right away there there is a complete difference in the, the context of the, you know, where this case took place. Um, but he, he, I definitely think that manslaughter could have been a winner. And I don't know why they went for murder. It feels very political to me. Um, and I, certainly the prosecutor must've looked at it and said, it's a tough road to hoe to prove intentional homicide. In this case, but we can we can prove manslaughter. And I think you're right that a a jury was, you know, based on Wisconsin law, looked at it and said, this is not murder. He killed somebody, but it's not murder. It's not it's not first degree
1: homicide. Yeah, and it took four days for the jury to come back with its verdict. And it's very, very difficult. Uh, you know, any, any criminal trial lawyer will tell you it, it is, it's next to impossible to know what's going on in the jury room. Um, you know, with their secrecy and all the rest and juries act very, very oddly sometimes. And you never know sort of what is the, the, the point that their, their verdict turns on. But the fact that it took four, uh, four days to, uh, to come up with the verdict means to me anyway, they were probably struggling with it. Um, it certainly wasn't cut and dried and they came back and they wanted to look at the, the video. And so what they did is they concentrated on the actual moment when, you know, the confrontations took place and not on, you know, the bigger picture, which in Canada would have been very important, you know, where it's like, well, you decided to go to this thing. Then um, you decided to go armed. Of course, something bad is going to happen. You should have known that um whether it was your intention to shoot someone if you bring a gun to a fight you probably intend to use it if the circumstances change so in canada it's like Walton, well, don't bring a gun to a fight um you know the crim our criminal courts are full of of uh cases where people bring a knife to a bar or a you know a crowbar in their in their car and they go well well, why have you got that in your car it's not you know it's not for construction you know they say well you know i thought it'd be trouble and all of a sudden you know then it's assault with a deadly weapon in canada you know um you know because there's some intentionality in putting yourself in a situation with a weapon. But uh, the the American jury seemed to just look at the couple of of seconds of the altercations, the, the three altercations that ended up in two people being dead and another person being shot, and trying to figure out what was going on in their mind at that particular moment, while ignoring everything that led up to it. I mean, why You know, why would you even go to this thing as a 17 year old boy who has who has no uh, no skin in the game at all, except you probably went there wanting to uh, to mix it up with people. And there's your intentionality. Maybe you didn't intend to kill anybody, but you sure went there with the intention of probably having to use your gun. Otherwise, you would have left it at home. And that's, you know, and, and that's where, you know, that's where it loses me. I mean, that's where, I mean, yes, he's, he's immature and, uh, and all and his, in his parents showed incredibly bad judgment. Um, and, uh, you know, was it, you know, was it first degree murder Probably you No, know, no, it wasn't. But, uh, you know, was it completely you know, legally blameless activity? No, I mean, you know, he, he should have been convicted of something because two people are dead and another person injured, and it was all because, he, like you said, he wanted to be a big man and live the American dream of having a gunfight in the middle of the, uh, the street with a bunch of strangers.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that he actually wanted to have a gunfight. Um, I think that he wanted to walk around with a penis extension and feel like a big man. Um, I, I suspect that if he had known he was going to get into a gunfight, he may not have gone. Uh, he doesn't strike me as somebody he, he doesn't he, he's a he's a paperweight, you know, he's he's flimsy. He doesn't strike me as somebody who's just completely filled with hate and, and violent rage. He strikes me as a kid, a confused kid who's been badly inculcated with with with, with views on the world. Uh, his immature mind took him in a certain direction. The mind of his parents taking him like I understand a 17 year old. Your brain's not fully formed yet. And you've been basted in this stew around your family where you get approval for certain behaviors. I understand 17-year-olds, they don't make the best decisions. But why an adult whose job is to protect their children, why an adult would give their blessing to this kid going there? I mean, you can't really charge the adult for it. I don't think there's any charges you could bring against the the mother. But it's, I mean, it's certainly very, very bad. Uh, very bad taste to judgment to be taking your kid into a zone where things are burning and it is it is violence and it's a powder keg that could blow blow up even more and yeah and and you don't you know it doesn't have to be a 17 year old I mean I've I've sat
1: in criminal court and and watched a parade of defendants and uh, I'll tell you that you're not looking at a lot of high achievers (laughs) People or people with good judgment. I mean, that's generally why they are there because they don't think because they have immature responses. Some of them are victims of circumstance and things just, you know, they just, things took a bad turn for them. But you know, a lot of people are there just because their judgment is crappy, and they did something stupid without thinking about it because they're not very mature, they're not very educated. They didn't, you know, a lot of them had, you know, there's lots of sociological reasons too. You know, they didn't get a break, their parents didn't love them, they didn't uh, have opportunities and all the rest. But generally, our our criminal courts are not full of Moriarty's, you know, criminal geniuses who finally got thwarted by uh, by some great detective. It's usually stupid people doing stupid things often to other stupid people. And, you know, and that's what our criminal courts here and in the United States are full of.
0: Yeah, yeah. and people who believe that they're, that they're a lot smarter than they actually are. Well, you know, and that, that would include all of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Although, although I, most I of us I'm don't stray as, into I, criminal. <laughs> I know I'm not as smart as I think I am, if that makes sense. In fact, I know that I'm not all that smart. Wasn't it the wise man knows that he knows nothing? That's the one. Yeah, Um,
1: and and, and the dumb person is absolutely sure of everything.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm curious to see what the ramifications will be uh, socially in the United States, because so, so much was made to hang on this case. It was set up to be so emblematic, which I think was a mistake on the part of the left. If they had looked at this case reasonably from the beginning, um, and had some good legal advice, they might have realized this is not the this is not the hill to die on. But now that it has been elevated in significance, um, I'm wondering what's going to happen. Are we going to get more protests, which then opportunists show up at night and burn things? Because I'm a firm believer that the protests, which wind up being peaceful all day long, and then at night all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. I think that's because. They're outside agitators and there's been there's been evidence of this outside agitators are like hey we can go break things and get away with it and someone else is going to take the blame um i don't think that the protesters uh who are peaceful all day long are just suddenly deciding to go and burn and break things but that is the uh that is the mix that happens it's they're peaceful they're angry you don't protest unless you're angry so there's anger and you feel the palpable anger and you feel the tension. But I think at night it's some people who are just, let's go break shit. And they're rubbing their hands with glee. And I don't think that they have any political acts to grind whatsoever. It's just the same way I see um, when schools in Toronto are spray painted with swastikas. I really don't believe that's any organized neo-Nazi or- or- organization. I believe it's some kids who are like, you know what will really piss people off? If we do this. And not not having any political uh, or racial stand behind it, simply they're shit disturbers, and they want to disturb as much shit as possible. Um, so I'm curious to see how this plays out in Wisconsin and other parts of the United States. Uh, and I think you know what you say about the
1: violent protests and the looting and all the rest. I think is 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 largely true. I think though so, you know the the daytime. Um, you know, peaceful protests are actually very healthy uh, for the United States. W- whether it's going to happen in this case, or you know, whether or not there's protest fatigue at this point, I think that would be bad in some ways. If uh, people just kind of shrugged and said, "Well, well, you know, th- this is how broken America is, and our protests aren't going to make any difference," I think that would be bad because that is sort of an acceptance of a broken system. Um, and you know, I think uh, a a protest, uh, whether it's people taking to the streets and chanting and all the rest um, is a sign of, of, of a healthy, um, society because they're going to be mad that, you know, people are Getting gunned down in the streets, you know, um, a, uh, a, a, a not guilty verdict notwithstanding, I think that that's a sign that that's not the kind of America that they want. I think if they if there isn't one, people have resigned themselves to the fact that that the United States has become incredibly dysfunctional, um, has become violent, and people are accepting of that at this point. Um, you, know, that, you know, very different from you know the like you said the looting and all the rest, which is which is a whole different thing. I, I think uh, a uh, you know a silent protest about uh, about these sorts of events is a sign of, of health and, you know, because it shows dissatisfaction with a very broken system. I don't know if we're going to see that because, you know, as we record the the podcast, it's uh, the, the, the verdict is still pretty, uh, pretty new and it's just, uh, it's just getting dark out. So, you know, that's when sometimes the crazies come out to, uh, you know, to, to burn and loot and show their, uh, their disapproval of America by, uh, you know, breaking the uh, windows of Best Buy and
0: taking a TV. Um, Yeah. uh, So it's, I, I agree with you that the worst case scenario is no protest or a muted protest indicating that Americans have have now been ground down to the point where they accept it is normalized that America is a place where bad things happen and injustices occur and uh, questionable cases are decided. And and you just just, accept it and suck it up. I mean, that's what that's what the authoritarians really want is they want the opposition to just wear out and just give up and accept the, the situation being what the authoritarians want. It's important not to, not to be disillusioned because your protests, you think, aren't changing anything. You never know what is changing as a result of your protests. You never know what you've prevented from happening. I wonder how many cops in the U.S. have thought twice about shooting because they don't want to be, have their name uh, flashed all over CNN and MSNBC um, and possibly lose their careers. I, I, I wonder if, if it's caused people to say, I'm going to think twice about this now, because, not because of anything other than their own self-preservation, but you know I, wa- I wonder if these protests, which some it may seem like they're not having the effect they want, I wonder where, whether they're not having an effect that we can't see. Well, and it's part, you know,
1: it's part of the, you know, the greater por- polarization that's been going on in the United States, you know, since the, since the Reagan years. And, uh, you know, what I was uh, saying earlier about sort of what the, uh, what, you know, the thinking of the jury, which is okay. You know, what's, what message do we want to send? Do we want to send the message that it's okay to have black lives uh, matter riots, uh, in protests, you know, protests that turn into opportunistic riots by, by like you say by the bad elements who uh, kind of uh, hang around the perifer- periphery of, of valid social protests um or you know are we uh, more worried about the people who are going to come for us and uh, we may need a Kyle Rittenhouse to, uh, to sort them out. So, you know, where, where, what are we going to decide? Um, and, you know, increasingly America's, you know, you know siding with the vigilante um, because, you know, they think that they have a, a useful role in, in protecting, you know, the good, ordinary, decent people of America who are represented by the jury who, you know, white and black. Um, because there have been studies that show that, uh, that black jurors, as much as white jurors, are, are concerned about law and order issues. And so they're prepared to give people like Kyle Rittenhouse a pass, uh, even, even if it's pretty clear that what they did was, uh, was illegal, um, because they think that they are useful tools in, you know, in, in preserving their lives and property. You know,
0: if you think about popular culture, the last, I don't know how many years, 50 years, I'll say. The rise of the anti-hero, the Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harrys, Batman, all of these these characters who are seen to be superior deliverers of justice because because they flout the system. The system, the the legal system is always shown to be the opponent of getting justice. And so we've been we've been you know brainwashed into thinking that the lone actor who takes things into their own hands somehow has uh, better instincts uh, about how to conduct uh, you know policing actions than actual professional police, and we've been convinced that there's that the institutions that are supposed to provide policing and so on simply get in the way of capturing bad guys it, it, it's you know it, the fact that that they have made a, num- a number of batman movies and it's been successful but they still can't figure out how to make a successful superman like the 1978 one because we've been taught that we can't in pop culture we can no longer believe in a character who believes in in the system and believes in doing things correctly, just because doing the right thing is doing the right thing. They they have, they have struggle with trying to figure out how do you show a character who's pure, you know, who's noble, when we've been taught that nobility is for suckers.
1: Yeah. And again, you know, I, I think this is a, a divergence between American and Canadian culture, uh, you know, Canadians, peace, order and good government, uh, we do rely on our institutions to look after us. You know, we don't have that uh, that rugged individual kind of thing. You know, unless you go well out west. I mean, if that 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 sort of mythology is still. Uh, you know, pretty common currency in popular culture in places like Alberta and, and, and Saskatchewan. But, uh, you know, for, for most of Canada, uh, we do believe in our institutions, in our, you know, our, in our charter, and our police. And, you know, yes, you know, there are, are bad apples, and we recognize that, and there are miscarriages of justice, but on the whole, we kind of trust the system. And, um, you know, again, it's a broad generalization, and it's more, real you know, mythology than reality, um, because, you know, the system does fail on a pretty regular basis, but you know, as Canadians, we still sort of cling to that belief, whereas the Americans have abandoned that if they ever adopted it, and, you know, they, they still believe the government is the enemy, that the, uh, you know, the, their uh, Bill of Rights is, uh, is, is an impediment to, uh, to justice instead of, you know, being, being the cornerstone of it and that the courts and and the police are ineffective and corrupt. And it's up to, you know, like you said, the, uh, you know, the, the the lone man with a gun uh, to, uh, you know, to, to meet out justice because, you know, the, because, you know, the institutions fail. And I I think that is a big difference But you know, as soon as you cross the border, you know, you you really do feel the difference.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember when I was younger going to the United States, I really didn't feel a terrible difference. But as I got older, the more I went over there, the more I felt this pull of a culture that was pulling away from my values and my perceptions of how a society functions. And to the point where we are the United States and Canada culturally uh, have been diverging for decades now. Uh, We are uh, very far apart on issues of social justice and uh, social safety nets and uh, obligations between citizens. You just look at the difference in the vaccination rates between Canada and the United States. And you see that Canada, we were in the mid 80s as far as people being fully vaccinated, I believe. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, it depends on what segment of the population. But yeah, we're in the middle
0: to upper 80s. And the US is where in the 50s? Yeah, well, in some states, less than that. Yes. Yeah, and that shows you uh, which country pulls together and feels that it, it, you know, cares about responsibility. Yeah, yeah, cares about each other. Recognizes that our our good fortune rests upon other people having good fortune, and us getting fair treatment rests upon us treating other people fairly. We we're not, as I said earlier, we're not suspicious of each other, and. You know, it, 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 we're quite the opposite. We're, we're usually pretty welcoming and trusting of each other uh, for good and, or for ill. And uh, the U.S. and Canada are, we consume the same pop culture. I think that's pretty much where our cultural similarities end at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. and you know in Canadians you know I I enjoy a good shoot 'em up uh, you know explosions and people running around and crashing cars as much as the next person but you know I recognize it as 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 a fantasy whereas you know it, it, it's much more you know true to life in, in some American it's aspirational states aspirational in yeah, the uh, US Yeah yeah absolutely you know absolutely and in, in, in you know our our political culture I mean the conservative party uh, the right wing of the the canadian conservative party seems to love that american you know, aspect of their culture not not the blowing up and the shooting and all our although like i say they are in bed with the uh, with the gun lobby which in canada you know most of us you know unless you're you're a rural person who uses your your gun as a as a, a farming tool basically you know for coyotes and all the rest uh, you just kind of shake your head at but you know the conservative party here has embraced a lot of those americanisms which is one of the reasons i think that they uh, as long as they stay on the on the far right of the spectrum they have a limited appeal in canada because canadians see what goes on in the united states and if the Amer- if the americanism of uh, of the conservative party is 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 their solution to a lot of things you know smaller government and all the rest then Canadians generally don't want anything to do with that because we've seen how badly it's played out south of the border.
0: Yeah, agreed. And, you know, you bring up Canadian Conservatives, which gives us the opportunity to pivot to another story that took place this week when besieged Conservative leader Erin O'Toole uh, ejected Senator uh, Batters from the, uh, the caucus, the Conservative caucus, whereas the Senate Conservative caucus retained her um it's interesting she was circulating a petition to to start a leadership review earlier than 2023 when it's scheduled and uh this is Aaron O'Toole trying to stand up and say no I am the leader trying to show firm leadership uh because he has a tendency to vacillate um this is him trying to put his foot down the buck stops here and demonstrate a leadership that others haven't seen in him um I mean, Denise Batters is batshit. She is <laughs> insane. If you read her social media. Oh, her social media. I, 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 I had a
1: look at it uh, today. And it, it really is. It's a combination it's a dumpster of dumpster fire. It is. It is. She uh, and, you know, she was a Harper appointment. Uh, I think it was 2013. She was made a center. She really didn't have much of a I mean, she was a lawyer for um. Uh, so I'll do my quick math here. She was a little, you know, had in practice in uh, in, um, oh, in in Saskatchewan for I'm going to say t- 12, 13 years, um, and you know briefly worked for the Crown Investments Corporation in Saskatchewan. And you know she's an advocate for mental health. Her 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 her, her husband tragically committed suicide, and she's been uh, you know that that's sort of her 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 one note. Um, you know if I had a tragedy in my life like that, maybe it would be my one note too. But uh, but she clearly has. Swallowed a lot of the crazy conservative Kool Aid, and it comes out just in in spades on in her social media posts. Uh, you know, there isn't a a crazy idea that uh, she isn't prepared to uh, to jump on and, and ride until it's uh, until it's tired. Um, and so, you know, as you said, her nickname on on, on social media is Batty Batters. Um, so, you know, another great Harper Senate appointment, um, and. Like you said, O'Toole says, okay, you're, you know, you're out of the uh, the National Caucus. And, and oddly enough, you know, the the, uh, the Senate, uh, you're, you're no longer a conservative. And uh, it, the idea was that she was out of the Senate Conservative Caucus. But the Senate Conservative Caucus made its own decision and said, well, you know, she's not part of the National Caucus, but she's still sitting as a conservative as part of the Senate Conservative Caucus. So there's a little bit of a pushback for, uh, for O'Toole um when it when it comes to you know even even his grand gesture to show that he's in charge i'm the boss um you're you're you cross me and you're out i'm gonna make an example of you you know the senate caucus which is which is independent of the uh of, of the mps um said uh, no no we're gonna keep her which you know because it's mostly harper loyalists who are now the rump of the uh, of the conservative senate caucus
0: you know i, I see erin o'toole's uh attempts at retaining his leadership I see him as the black knight in Monty Python and the Holy grail. (laughs) Yes. You know, chop off an arm. It's just a flesh wound. Chop off these legs. I'll come I'll bite your. I'll bite your ankles. It's the, the man ought to have maintained whatever dignity he has left and leave because he is not, he wasn't well liked prior to the election. The results for the election didn't make him any more popular. Now, they say that his attempt to move further to the center was the mistake and that uh, the party needs to move further back to the right, which is anybody, any objective observer who understands politics, looks at that and says, no, he had the right idea. It's just that it was too quick. a, A conversion that there needs to be some time for the public to really believe that the conservative party would actually stay closer to the centre, like the old Conservative Party. Yeah, because because his,
1: his MPs weren't going to follow that. I mean, he, even over the course of the election, they, uh, you know, he, he tried to pull the party to, to the centre, you know, whether it was genuinely or just you know, for, the, for the moment. But uh, there, was, there was, you know, in terms of leadership, no one wanted to follow him in his own
0: caucus in that direction. They thought it was clearly wrong. And I don't understand how people can't read tea leaves. This country voted, three quarters of the voters in this country, Basically, voted for progressive government. Um, And the conservatives continue to lose. You look at the trends, you look at the zeitgeist, you look at where Canada is as a country, and you think that going further right is the way to win elections. It is the way to lose elections because Canada is moving further to the left, further to more liberal ideals. more, dare I say, socialist, uh, democratic socialist ideals. Uh, We're moving away from hardline conservatism far, far away. I don't see the country having a new affair with hard right politics. No, and And,
1: especially during a pandemic, I mean, it's not the time to be arguing for small
0: government. Yeah, definitely not a popular position. And uh, I, I think the only reason Aaron O'Toole is still there is because who, who's there? Who's going to step up next? They don't have yeah. any superstars.
1: No, there's no one in the wings. You know, there certainly has been no one groomed for it. Uh, you know, it, it, you never want to groom your well. You know, you, there's all kinds of talk about Trudeau uh, grooming uh, Friedland as his successor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's what's happening, or he just, you know, she's she's just very competent and he likes working with her. But uh, you know, you could see her, you know, moving into that role. But in the Conservatives, I mean, who've got you got uh, Pierre um who you know mysteriously dropped out of the leadership co- contest last time, um, and you know, there are all kinds of whispers about uh, you know what what forced him out of that. Uh, but again, he's a really hard right. Um, you know, basically regarded as an unpleasant person. Um, you know, if someone said, you know, if there was such a thing as anti-charisma, then you know he could bottle it and sell it. Um, but who, you know, who else is there that could win a leadership convention? And that's the real thing in a political party. You know, especially on the conservative side. In order to win the nomination, you have to pander to. The, the base of the conservative party, which is still very much reform and, and, and Western, which tends to be very, very right. So you can't win the leadership without those people, which includes the evangelical Christians and the anti-abortion rights people and the gun people. So as soon as you put that unholy alliance together to get you nominated and elected as leader, then you've got to go to the wider Canadian public and try to sell that. And like you said, you know, two thirds, three quarters of the Canadian population voted very, very emphatically against that. Um, So you can win, you can win the leadership, but you can't
0: win the election that way. Yeah, well, it's not just who could win a leadership race, it's who could conceivably win an election, uh, a, a national election. And there are, I can only see if some business person from the outside, like a Brian Mulrooney, who stepped into leadership race when he did, um, and everyone was like, Brian, who? Um, he wasn't a typical party apparatchik. Unless somebody with some kind of and I, i'm not speaking of kevin o'leary um, <laughs> no, no uh, I, but I, th- I think that boat has sailed yeah, uh, yeah that's a bad pun considering <laughs> Isn't the, it? the trial of his wife um he uh unless somebody with some kind of star profile steps forward um who has uh, an audience and a following outside of conservative politics mm-hmm. and has a personal charisma that has drawn people in the conservatives are just going to keep losing i mean they lost an election when uh, trudeau's blackface pictures had come out it, talk about you know being able to score on an empty net well in the last election you know, they
1: they they were 10 points up on the liberals at one point and the liberals managed to pull it together and win um, win more seats while the conservatives lost one yeah so what they're doing clearly doesn't work. I and mean, it's like that definition of insanity you just keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different outcome. Um, it, it but it's it they, uh, they they don't get it and and like you said conservatives when they they huddle after an election like the one we just had they inevitably come to the conclusion that they lost because they weren't right-wing enough they weren't true to their conservative roots and that's why they didn't win when it's ad- it's absolutely the opposite you know they their conservative roots are what is off-putting to everybody and it's only when someone can you know mask you know either they count on the complete and utter disarray of the opposite opposition. opposition parties, which is how we got Harper, or um, they move themselves to the comfortable center, uh, which was Brian Mulroney, uh, where enough uh, people say, yeah, we'll give them a try. They're not too scary. But as long as they insist on being scary and pursuing scary policies and not being able to sit on crazy people in their caucus who are spouting conspiracy theories and coddling gun nuts and, uh, go, you know, going on. You know, and, and Senator Batters is, is among the people who, you know, you want to put a basket over during an election because you know, she will put off more voters than she will bring over to your side um they, they just uh they, they never seem to understand that that you know that that
0: position is really really unpopular well i mean it, it does make sense because the hardcore conservatives are still going to vote for you because Where they know nowhere, else. Go? nowhere else to park their vote you, you know don't tell me maxime bernier He's, he was a statistical anomaly oh he, I, he was nowhere in the last election yeah. that, that just proves that they're not going to go over with that side. yeah so they're getting the hard right votes. What they're not getting is anybody else. And I suspect that they're going to wind up like the NDP, uh, a perennial also ran, and the Liberals are going to have uh, government after government after government, barring any giant gaffes or or scandals. Uh, I can't see the Conservatives, I don't see the math whereby the Conservatives can win under their present uh, direction. No, and
1: the you know, liberals generally defeat themselves. I mean, they, they're they either in too long and they get kind of old and creaky and complacent and people just get tired of them. They finally go, ah, what the hell, you know, um, how, how how bad could it be if we elected these other guys and then we find out and then you know the liberals get uh, elected back again but one of the interesting things that i, I thought about the about the, the denise batter's thing was you know here here is uh o'toole turfing her from caucus no hearing no. in fact he uh, he he informed her as she gleefully said in one of her tweets uh, you know she was informed that she was out of the conservative caucus by o'toole leaving her a voice message um it wasn't a letter. it wasn't. The, it wasn't oh, a meeting. That's,
0: that's Trumpy and bravery, right there. Yep,
1: it's like you know, here, you know, you have three messages, and you know, one of them is, "Hey, guess what? You're no longer a conservative." Um, but the idea of him, you know, expelling her, I had to contrast it in my my own head. Of uh, the, the hue and outcry that uh, the conservatives, you know, I think, disingenuously led over Jody Wilson-Raybould and saying, "Well, this Trudeau—he doesn't like women. He doesn't value strong women and divergent uh, opinions and all the rest. And he's not a real feminist." And uh, because look at this—he's kicking a woman out of caucus, and you know, Denise Batters gets kicked out, and not not a word about uh, O'Toole and uh, how he doesn't uh, respect and, and
0: value women and divergent opinions. Well, that's because Trudeau built his brand. On feminism and equality, uh, had, had, had O'Toole no one didn't. No, exactly. No so one, he didn't violate like he, his brand. No, he's he's being true to his brand. Actually, yeah, there, there. Nobody expects <laughs> it of him, so nobody can nobody can complain when he when he does it. Uh, <laughs> it it's Isn't interesting how conservative used to mean uh, level-headed. You know, it used to mean people cautious that, and cautious and. Uh, uh, etiquette following you know basic etiquette was kind important of boring and stuffy and yeah that proper it was like slow. your maiden
1: aunt you know yeah. when you went to visit on sunday and you know she offered you the, the the sticky candy in the drawer and i mean that was that you know that was like conservatism
0: yeah it was they were slow and steady and didn't believe in taking big swings and now conservatives are the nuts yeah, they're, they're the th- ones who were taking the big swings on nonsense they're the ones who are embracing crazy new ideas. It, this doesn't strike me as conservatism anymore. No, you know, and you know, and not even,
1: not even good political operators too. I mean, they always saved themselves a little bit by uh, by being, you know, very canny politicians. But you see, again, O'Toole has been wearing the anti-vaccine. Uh, p- members of his own caucus since before the election. I mean, in some ways, it cost him the election. It, was, it certainly was uh, one of the things that he wore and uh, showed people that, you know, he couldn't control his caucus back then because he couldn't even convince his own MPs and his own candidates to, to get vaccinated or to re- reveal their vaccination status, which is just another way of saying they're not vaccinated. Um, and he he's still wearing that today. And, you know, the, the crisis of leadership you know, a, a crisis can last you, you know, a couple of days or, or a week, but, you know, he's managed to draw this out for months now. And that just shows, you know, a lack of political acumen and a lack of, you know, lack of leadership, which opens him up for all kinds of other, uh, you know, questions from within his party and from the Canadian electorate who just kind of, I think, have pretty much written him off at this point.
0: Interesting to see. I, I, I don't see in the absence of him, his leadership attracting people i don't see a swelling support for Jugmeet singh i think singh is where he's going to be oh Um, i think he's on a milk carton right now i haven't heard from him in ages (laughs) now there's a reference (laughs) on a milk carton um for those who are wondering who were too young there was a time i think it was in the 80s when missing children you see their their posters around places they would put photos of missing children on the side of milk cartons to we have amber alerts it's it's the same sort of thing yeah um yeah he has been missing and uh maybe they're reevaluating his entire push because he you know he only gained one seat and it cost them 24 million dollars um
1: Maybe they're, they're out of money for uh, for uh, their their massive social media buy that they had during the election. And now uh, now they're sitting around going, well, you know, whose turn is it to tweet today?
0: Well, I mean, Singh can only make so many dancing videos for TikTok. <laughs> and, you know, that only has certain I mean, people look at it and they say, hey, cool, he's kind of a cool guy. Do they vote? <laughs> no. Uh, um Because just because there's somebody who you find entertaining on TikTok doesn't mean you're going to vote for them. You know, there's lots of people I find entertaining who I wouldn't vote for. No, no, there's lots of cats on TikTok. They're not getting my vote either. Some of them may get my vote. Um, (laughs) Oh, you're a cat person, though. (laughs) Oh, I'm very much a cat person. Um, Also a dog person. And my dog today cost me 400 bucks for uh, blood tests. 400 bucks for blood tests. I don't know whether I want them to find something wrong. So the 400 bucks is a justifiable expense, or I want them to find nothing wrong, in which case the 400 bucks is, is not going to be followed by more money. It's not logical, but, you know, you, you pay that kind of money. You think, oh, I hope this wasn't for nothing. And then the other side of your head is saying, you better hope it's for nothing because it's <laughs> going to be a lot more money otherwise.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you could always just strategically shave your dog and see if you can get him an OLIP card. Say it's your kid. <laughs> then it's then it's free. <laughs> you know hey i know you're thinking (laughs) work for the little rascals you go
0: like oh that's one ugly kid yeah but he's free yeah (laughs) give me that blood test hey all i have to say is that he identifies as a person and he'll be able to get a covid shot too yeah that's you know what you're not allowed to to question the way people look these days so if anybody says anything i'll say are you saying my son is ugly
1: (laughs) that's a human rights complaint right there
0: he's a real dog all (laughs) right um we're gonna go Stephen Lawtons can be found on Twitter at Stephen Lawtons, which is S T E P H E N L A U T E N S. Um, I encourage you to follow him on Twitter. Very witty and incisive uh, tweets there. And uh, you can find my work on NewMusicNation.ca, where we spotlight uh, video music from Canadians, from Canadian bands and and singers from across the country. And I was just watching some new submissions today. Uh, We've got like 1,200 at this point. And it continues to blow me away just how good quality, not just the music is, but these people are spending money on their videos and thinking them through and getting storylines and good, good uh, cinematography. Uh, it's amazing. And it's, it's sad that there's no national, there's no reservoir for people to, to find them like much music used to be. Um, our media is too fractured. Um, And nobody has really taken up the mantle for getting these people. They they make videos. And then you look at their YouTube site, and it's like they've had 87 views. Well, thank God there's new Music Nation to remedy that. Well, we're building. We're still uh, getting like maybe 5,000 views per show, which could be more, but we're still growing. Um, And that's it. So, uh, Stephen, thank you for uh, participating in today's Madness. My pleasure, and uh, look forward to talking again next week. And look forward to talking to all of you next week. This has been Stephen and Stephen. I'm Stephen Kersner.